Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. Lord, we we just lift up our voices in prayer. We thank you, God, that you are at work. And I pray for my brother Mike as he gets ready to share your word with us. And I pray for everyone that's here. I, I just thank you, God, for the work that you've done. Thank you again that Randy can be here with us now. Amen. Three Sundays in a row. Thank you, Lord, for your work in his life. I pray for his family. I pray for those that are gone from us. Amanda over in Romania. I think of those in Idaho this morning, that you would bless them. I think of our coming weekend with Brother Mark and Ann. I pray that you'd be with them as they come. I think of this girl, Jenny, Lord, that we prayed for on Wednesday, that she's making decisions about what to do with you and her future. I pray for her. And, Lord, we pray that you would save her soul. I pray for Corey and Betsy and others, Lord, that we've lift up so many times. But we pray for them again. Lord, just speak to them today. So, Father, we just commit this weekend, to this, this uh, day especially to you and the sermon, our ears. As was prayed earlier, bless our ears with the words that are shared. Bless your word. Open, open the word to us and open our ears to the word. So, thank you, God, for... Uh, this gathering. Pray for Brother Mike that you'd anoint him now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank Lord you. bless you, Brother. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. It's good. It's good to be here. Something that's also come to my heart is uh, I just saw in the news yesterday that the entire country of Lebanon is completely out of power. They have no electricity. They have two main power. It's a small country, you know. They have two main power plants. I guess oil run, which I'd never heard of before, and they had completely run out of fuel. And so I thought, wow, that, I mean, that, Think of what would happen here if all of a sudden the dams broke on the Columbia River and just and there was just nothing. Think of the hospitals that desperate. I mean, they've got generators that can run for a while, but uh, it's got to be devastating. So maybe we could just take a minute and pray for them right now. Let's bow our heads and pray for the people over there. Father, we come to you and we lift up all the people over there in the country of Lebanon. Lord, we we know you've got some of your own children, our brothers and sisters over there, Father, but this situation seems very desperate, Lord. And I just pray that, God, you would just bring forth grace and compassion and mercy on these people, Father God, and let them have electricity somehow, some way, and do something miraculous there, Father God. They can get things going again. Have mercy on these people, Lord. And uh, we just lift them up to you and ask, Father God, for your hand of compassion, mercy be upon this country in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been ministered to this morning, challenged a lot already, and it kind of ties in with what I want to share this morning. I, uh, you know, the last time I shared it was uh, was close to the last verse of Psalm 23, but it wasn't the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the challenge there for me and for all of us is, is what follows us? 
Is it goodness and mercy? Is it the goodness of God? What kind of a testimony do we leave behind as we walk through this life? And um, and I've done this before, kind of had a tendency to get close to the end of something and just kind of just let it fizzle out. And I just felt like, you know, there's still one more phrase, half a verse there at the end. And I thought, I really, I, I don't feel as prepared as I should be. In fact, lately... I haven't been feeling as prepared. And I, and, I, and I wonder, is this just part of getting old? You just feel less prepared. You're asked to speak and you know the passage, you know the topic, whatever it is. And But boy, and you sit down and you, you seek the Lord and you, 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 know, you try to bring things together. And then you get up here and I think. And I guess in a certain way, it's not that bad because it's good for a man or a lady to be at a place where you say, God, help me. I need your help. That's a good place to be. It's a little bit scary, especially when you're standing in front of a bunch of people and they're expecting something to come from you. Lord, help me. Um, but that's kind of how I feel. So, But there is one more half a verse there. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I've thought about this and, and it's kind of a same old brother Mike kind of a theme you know kind of like get up and run and, and make your declaration and follow the Lord and I, 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 I'm kind of in a rut right there I realize that I recognize that yet I kind of almost don't know what else to say to people anymore because we need that desperately and you know it used to be I'm old enough to look back and be able to look at a five-year period of time and say, man, you can see where this country's headed. It's not good. Forty years ago, 30 years ago, you can say, you know, five years go by. And then it seemed like about 10 years ago, about a year would go by and you'd say, man, we're not. It's obvious just from what we've seen this past year. That we're not on a good path. But nowadays it seems like you can't. It's maybe a month. Maybe a week. And you say, man, we're on a bad path. It's just increasing. These things are just speeding up. And speeding up. And speeding up. New world order. Here it comes. And you see what's happening all around the world. How much power these leaders are looking to grab a hold of. And I've done, just out of educational sake, please don't get the notion that I'm thinking about getting political here. That's not the answer. I know that. But it's interesting to look at some of the history over the last 200 years or so around the world and see the movements that have come and the dark forces that are behind some of those. I did not know this. I thought Karl Marx, the author, one of the authors of communism, I thought he was an atheist. But I've recently found out that no, he was actually a outright Satan worshiper. And if you were to read some of his writings, you would say, whoa, that is exceedingly dark and wicked. And it was. And so I'm learning to, step, to say, there's a lot of dark forces behind what's happening now. We know that's going to happen anyway. And the end 
is going to have a lot of darkness and deception and death and sorrow and pains, Jesus said. Um, and it's speeding up and speeding up and speeding up. We know that's going to happen. But uh, still we... we we, we need that encouragement. That, that's where I was going. Just as I look at what's going on, man, we need to encourage each other to keep walking, to keep going, to keep our faith. I used to think, eh, maybe my lifetime may not really see it get real bad. I'm beginning to wonder now a little bit. But young people, let me tell you something. We talked about prophets last week, and I feel like I'm sticking my neck out a little bit. Not because I have a thus saith the Lord, but I can just, you just look at the world and see what's happening and see where we're headed. It's not hard to figure out for me to be able to look at you and say, listen, you better have your faith grounded. You better have your walk grounded. Because it is going to get expensive for you. I promise you. We're headed down a path where it's going to get expensive to just simply love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I want to encourage you again, make sure your faith, your love, your adoration, your loyalty, your allegiance is all to Him. All these things are coming down the pipe. He said it. It would be this way. We've got to be ready. And I'm just an older brother here just wanting to encourage you. Be ready. It's not going to get any better. And, oh boy, talking to a guy yesterday, and this is where I get challenged that I need to speak up more. No, yet a couple days ago. Is he a Christian? I hope so. But we get to talking about what's going on and the jab and the vaccine, all this kind of stuff. And he said, Boy, I'll tell you what. You come to my door. They want to jab me with that needle. They're going to have to get past my AR-15. Yeah, it's not funny. That's not the heart of Christ. That's not His way. Now, I won't hide anything from you. I'm not vaccinated. I have no plans to get vaccinated, but I'm not going to shoot anybody that's going to try and jab me. I happen to believe God is bigger than that. And now, you know, I've heard stories. Sorry, I'm not really getting going here, but these things are just on my heart. You know, because that's the mindset. Christians, you've got to defend yourself. And yet, and then one I'm thinking of, oh, I can't remember when, it was probably 10, 12 years ago. It was a story about a young lady who was a bank teller. And a guy came in to rob the bank put the gun right at her. And at that very moment, she spoke up and said, you really don't want to do that. Can I pray for you? It's like, what, what a response. 
But it tells us that even at the very split second, just like we heard, he was crying out to God, Lord, I'm going to die. I need you. God knows how at the very split second to bring uh, a saving compassion, a saving grace, a way out, a way of escape, a way to interject and just take over a situation. He knows how to do that. It's beautiful. It's glorious. And I don't know. You think about where we're headed and what we're headed to. And if we think about it in the right way, you know, well, hey, man, we might see more of those times. You know, because we may need more of those times. As the darkness tries to crowd in around us and Satan gets more intense about advancing his kingdom of darkness. Might be. What opportunities for God to show himself strong and real and alive. I happen to believe that the reason we see miracles of healings in other countries and we don't see him here that often. We do still, but not that often. It's just because in a third world country, they don't have medicine. All they have is Jesus. He's all they got. And we step back and say, well, that's all we need, right? Yes, it is. But he's all they got. We, you know, I, I can't go, you know, I, I can't go take a, a pill or get some chemo or whatever it might be or get a procedure done and bingo, I'm well. And if we get to the point where the mark comes into play during your lifetime, during our lifetime, and we can't buy or sell, you know what that means? It also means you can't buy or sell health care. You can try to go to a hospital or a clinic. They're going to turn you down. They're already starting to in some places. Where was it? California, I think it was some health care system down in California. I heard just this week they have made the decision they will treat no one unvaccinated. Whoa. Okay. I think it's just the beginning. Now, please don't take me wrong. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. For one thing, it can't be. Because I, and I think my brothers would agree with me. As we read Revelation 13... The beast is going to show up before the mark. And as far as I know, we don't know who the beast is yet. We don't know who the Antichrist is yet. So the mark will not come beforehand. So just in a practical situation, it can't be. Okay? Brothers, speak up. Do you think I'm out in left field? Or does that make sense? Or Okay. I, I don't... I want to be teachable here enough. I don't want to spread something that doesn't, that's going to bring confusion. But, but nevertheless, these times are coming. And like I say, it used to be you could look at five years and say, whoa, look at where we're headed. And then one year, look at where we're headed. And then it's like one week or two, look at where we're headed. Yeah. You've got to be well grounded. In your Lord Jesus, in your love for Him, in your love for His Word, 
if there's ever a desperate time, we need to be picking this up and soaking ourselves. Man, it's right now. This is the truth. You know the truth. Then something that's not the truth, you'll be able to decipher and discern and say, wait a second. This is totally contrary to God. Well, then, it's not of Him. But if we don't know this, we're open to being deceived. We leave ourselves open to being deceived. And man, we've got Bibles in America. We have no excuse. Okay. I guess that was my pre-sermon sermon. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a declaration. And I think it's kind of twofold. If you look at the whole psalm, what he's just declared, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And thou anointest my head with oil, my cup from the Lord. All of that declaration, wonderful things of what a wonderful shepherd my God is. <clears throat> it's kind of like, what else can he say? What else is there to say? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> Look at who my shepherd is. I am safe and secure. He is the good shepherd. He is the door for the sheep. And the Scripture says, John chapter 10, no, nobody can pluck me out of His hand. I will dwell in the house, in His hand, in His presence forever. Also, though, I don't, I don't think I'm stretching things too much here. But I do want to leave you an encouragement that it is also a declaration of his, Him setting His own will. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will. I'm going to tell everybody that what I'm going to do with my life, my heart and soul, is I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not for a few years. Not till the heat gets turned up and I decide this isn't worth it anymore. Forever. I'm going to live there forever. Glory to God for someone to come to that. We talked about taking up uh, some stones out of the river and making that memorial. It's kind of like a, a declaration right here, this day, this hour. I'm declaring, confessing the Lord Jesus with my mouth, and I'm confessing that I'm His forever and ever and ever. And I emphasize that because we see it over and over and over and over again. Those that start the journey and they make a declaration. I've seen it at Bible schools. Years. Go through a week at Bible school. I'm grateful for Bible school. I love the Bible school. I love that my own children and you guys have an opportunity to go and get fed and get lifted up and to just leave home behind and sit at the feet of Christ under good teaching for a week. 
I'm glad for that. But I've seen it. And I know probably some of you here have. Many times over, people, young people, they get excited. They make a commitment. They make a declaration on Saturday during testimony time. And six weeks later, they're right back where they were before. Or maybe it's a year. And that's where I come up with the phrase. Did your commitment to Christ, when you gave it to Him, did it mean forever or just until the heat got turned up? What's your heart made of? Is it good soil? Is it stony soil? Just enough to let some growth start coming up. and then, But it's not deep. There's rocks down there. Rocks of desires for the world. Rocks of insecurity. Rocks of fear. Rocks of you name it. That you won't let God take out so that what can be left over is good soil that the roots can grow down deeper. Okay? I'm going to hang on to these things. These rocks. Okay, fine. You, you're, God says you're free to do that. But don't expect your roots to get down deep in me. It doesn't work that way. As you start your journey, I make you a promise. You probably all know already. He will begin the process of digging in here. And, oh, there's a rock. And you name it. We like, in our circles, in our communities, we like to use Ford pickups as a rock. And I'll say it again. Yes, I have one. It's an old one, but I have one. But, but for many people, you name it. Whatever it is, it's a rock in, that, in your heart. And God says, I want to take that out. But I like that rock right there. You say, that's silly. It doesn't make any sense. And God would say, yes, it is silly. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's what I see, though. You're hanging on to a rock in here. It's a rock. It's in the way of your roots digging deeper. Let him have the rock. And it could be anything. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh boy. Is this your declaration? I've shared it before. I'm going to say it one more time. God in His wisdom, He knows how to convict someone. He knows how to draw someone. He knows where to lead a lost soul to the, to the point of decision. Okay. And as he was convicting me, oh man, long time ago. And I could tell he was convicting me. He only let me have a little bit of information, basically. And it was basically, I knew I wasn't right with him. I knew I needed to get right with him. <clears throat> but I also knew that 
if I was going to make a decision to give my life to Christ, I knew, and I don't know, the Lord just did this to me. I knew that it meant the rest of my life. That if I decide this, this, this is it. There's no playing around. And I don't... Why? Well, because that's the kind of commitment God deserves. It's the kind that He wants. And it's the kind that He deserves. He deserves our lives. All of our life. <clears throat> okay. But I just knew that. And, and he, in his wisdom, knew just enough to convict me. Mike, I'm calling you. And he would put people across my path. He uses people. People, they didn't even know that God. I could, I could, I could go to a few of them. I could go to Bill Barr. I think he's over in Idaho now. I, think, I haven't seen him in 40 years. Young man named Bill Barr. He was my roommate. What a character! And uh, <clears throat> but he's the one that came to me the summer after our first year of college. And he had a motorcycle. Oh man! But he pulled. He pulled up at at uh, our house where my roommate and I were staying. We stayed one summer in Bend, and I didn't go back home to my parents' house. <clears throat> He said, Mike, we're really getting into Jesus. I remember the words. We're really getting into Jesus. You see, it's just simple faith. That's all he said. Well, God knew I needed that. And I was looking at it like, man, my friends are going down now. Man, this is getting pretty rough. I don't know what to think about this. It was good. But it was simple. But see, he didn't know that he was being used by God to touch my life. Just like you don't know. If you will say true, make that declaration and set your heart. It says forever, forever, forever. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read a few extra verses to you. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to, well, you can open up Psalm 23. I'm going to be 26 and 27 is where I'm going to go for a couple of verses here. And uh, and also 84, we'll read a verse out of Psalm 84. And then I'm going to read some out of Philip Keller's book on this last chapter here. Some good stuff, challenging stuff. Heartbreaking. I've got a heartbreaking story to tell with you. Just found out about it two days ago. Uh, oh, man. We'll get to there. Psalm 23, verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 26, verse 8. Flip over to that. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. That's beautiful. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. I just want to be where you live. Where you are, that's where I want to be. Well, come into my hand. You step into his hand by letting him come into here. You let him in here, that's stepping into here. 
That's the safest place in all the universe to live. It's the safest place to live. Psalm 27, verse 4. We know we've seen this one. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. <clears throat> one thing have I desired. Let me paraphrase. One thing I want from you. One thing. I just want to be where you are. And that's the gospel. It's so simple. I just want to be where you are. Now, we do that on his terms. We all know that. But that's kind of the, for me, it's kind of the simple message. I just want to be where you are. You're welcome. He says, you're welcome. The call is gone out. You're all welcome. Please come in. I paid the price for it so that all of you can come in and live right here. What do you want? What do you need? You need this. Do you want this to live right there? <clears throat> Psalm 84. This is a good one. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a, a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. What's he saying there? Okay, you got a choice. You can have one day with Jesus... Or a thousand without. And what's he saying? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. I want. Okay, we thought you'd figure, figure that out. A thousand, a thousand days, right? No, 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 no. What do you mean? <laughs> one day with Jesus. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. I'd take one day with Jesus versus a thousand over. What? You, go away. That's the kind of heart he's looking for. That's a part of the lie that's out there. Oh, come on. You, you, you use your brain here. You know, you got all of this life out here to live. You're missing out. No, you're missing out. If you're not here, you're missing. Literally, you can be filed as a missing person. If you're not here, you're missing. And he's out there looking for you, the lost sheep. <clears throat> One day. Okay. I want to read some excerpts from the last chapter here. Surely good. Uh, no, 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 no. We did that last week, last time. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word house used here. In the poem has a wider meaning than most people could attach to. Normally, we speak of the house of the Lord as, as a sanctuary. Some, you know, people put the connotation. Praise the Lord, we have a humble little abode right here. I love it. I love it. It's nothing. And praise God. I mean, we built a, a nice one in Cheyenne, and, and it was. 
I actually enjoyed the project. It was fun. And it didn't split the church. That was quite a deal. <laughs> and it had a few squabbles here and there over, some, over a few meals. That was really pretty much it. So it was really a beautiful testimony to see a group of people uh, come together and uh, work together to build an actual building. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed that project. That was in 2013. And, uh, but, you know, we think of this the house of God. Well, of course, we know that's, that's not the house of God. Yes, we have a place to meet, praise the Lord. Uh, this may be taken away from us. We don't know in the next 10 years. I, I don't know. We used to think, ah, that's going to be a ways off. But uh, I don't know where things are going here. We better be ready. But we have a place to meet. And it's a blessing. It's a tremendous blessing. Many places don't even, they don't have anything. They have to meet underground, so to speak. But he goes on to say, you know, of course we know. This is not what David's talking He's talking about the the house of God. I'm going to live right next to where he is. You want to call it his house? I don't care. You want to call his hand his house? Okay, fine. But it's where he is. It's where he dwells, where he lives. He's taken us from green pastures and still waters of the home ranch up through the mountain passes under the high table lands of the summer range. Fall has come with its storms and rain and sleet that drives the sheep down the foothills back to the home ranch for the long, quiet winter. In a sense, it's like coming home. It is with a sublime feeling of both composure and contentment that this statement, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is made. Actually, what is referred to to by house is the family or householder flock of the good shepherd. The sheep is so deeply satisfied with the flock to which it belongs, with the ownership of this particular shepherd, that has no wish to change whatever. And, oh man, that's God's desire that his people would have that kind of a heart. That this right here amongst my brethren, this is where I want to be. This is home. And I know this is where Jesus is because he is here with us right now, according to his promise. And this is where I want to live. This is who I want to be with. This is the, these are the ones that I love. It's not that you don't, we don't love anybody in any other churches or any lost sinners out there. But this is where we have found our, our tie, if you will. <clears throat> and we, it's right to cherish that. And to love that. And let me tell you, God is blessed by that way more than what we ever realize. He's the one, Jesus is the one that said that there, people are going to know that you're my disciples because of the love that we have one for another. Because you love each other. Why do you think it's such a uh, determination by the enemy to come into a church body and drive wedges in between brothers and sisters? Because he knows that destroys the testimony of Christ. And if he can do that and bring division, it makes that church body less effective against the devil's kingdom of darkness. It's one of the things I learned going through a few splits. If there's not trust amongst the brethren... Way, way less effective as a force. Way less. Almost ineffective. If we come to church here, and I'm looking over here, and I'm looking over there, I don't trust that person over there. I don't trust that girl. 
the devil has won a victory. We have to guard that. Our love one for another. It's got to be, we've got to be jealous over it. <clears throat> How glad we should be to look back and recall all the amazing ways in which he has provided for our welfare. We should delight to describe in detail the hard experiences through which he has brought us. We should be eager and quick to tell of our confidence in Christ. And that's so true. The difficult times and the fire trials that we go through, they're not fun when we go through them. But come on now, let's, let's, let's... Take a look at our lives in times that we have gone through where it was hot and it wasn't fun. But we got through. Don't we look back now and say, wow, God, you were there. You never, you, you didn't desert me. You were there all along. I couldn't see you. It didn't felt, feel like you were there, but you were. We got through. Isn't it that way? Come on. It is that way. Okay, he says, I can never meditate in it. This is, uh, this is where it gets challenging and kind of tough. But it's good to hear. I can never meditate on this last phrase in the psalm without their welling up in my memory. Vivid scenes from some of the early days on my, sheep, on my first sheep ranch. As winter... With its cold rains and chilling winds came on, my neighbor's sickly sheep would stand huddled at the fence, their tails to the storm, facing the rich fields in which my flock flourished. These poor, abused, neglected creatures under the ownership of a heartless rancher had known nothing but suffering most of the year. With them, there had been gnawing hunger all summer. They were thin and sickly with disease and scab and parasites, Tormented by flies and attacked by predators, some were weak and thin and wretched. That their th- that their thin legs would uh, could scarcely bear their scanty frames. Always there seemed to be there, there seemed to lurk in their eyes the slender, faint hope that perhaps with a bit of luck they could break through the fence or crawl through some hole to free themselves. Occasionally. This used to happen, especially around Christmas. This was the time of extreme tides when the sea retreated far enough out beyond the fence, beyond the end of the fence lines, which ran down to it. The neighbors, emaciated, dissatisfied, hungry sheep would wait for this to happen. Then at the first chance, they would go down on the tidal flats, slip around the end of the fence and come sneaking in to gorge themselves on our rich green grass. So pitiful and pathetic was their condition that the sudden feast of lush feed to which they were unaccustomed often proved disastrous. Their digestive systems would begin to scour and sometimes this led to death. I recall clearly coming across three of my neighbor's ewes lying helpless under a fir tree near the, near the fence one drizzly day. They were like three old limp gray sodden sacks collapsed in a heap Even their bony legs would no longer support them. I loaded them into a wheelbarrow and wheeled them back to their heartless owner. He simply pulled a sharp killing knife and slit all three of their throats. He couldn't care less. What a picture of Satan who holds ownership 
over so many. So very true. So very true. Then he makes a point here. These poor sheep, you know, they were, they were starving to death. I'd heard that uh, when they opened up the concentration camps back in World War II, with these men and women that were just skin and bones, you've probably seen pictures of them. They were just, it was horrific what they did. Well, they got set free and they were so glad and happy. Some of them actually, you know, you can't handle that much when you haven't been eating that much. And some people actually killed themselves, not on purpose, but they, they're starving to death, so they start filling up and filling up and filling up. Well, there's more than their, their system could handle. And it killed some people. And he goes on to say, These poor sheep had not come into my ranch through the proper gate. I had never let them in. They had never really become mine. They had not come under my ownership or control. If they had, they would not have suffered so. Even starting out under my management, they would have been given very special care. First, they would have been put on dry, limited rations. Then they would gradually have been uh, allowed green feed until they were adjusted to the new diet and mode of life. <clears throat> Yet there is only one way to this fold, and that way is through the owner, Christ himself, the good shepherd. He boldly declared, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And that was the point he was trying to make. It's the same way. There's people out there that, and this is where we've got to be careful and guard our own hearts. They, uh, they want the benefits. Of being a believer, they want to have a hope that after I die, yeah, God's going to be pleased with me and let me in. But they want to come through their own door. They don't want to come to Christ on His terms. They want to have some definition. Well, I want to come in this door over here. This one looks a little easier to walk through, it's a little wider. And Jesus would say, but it's not the door that I open to you. Huge, huge difference. And that's why we see a lot of people. They come through a door. They may come to a church. And they may last for a while. I saw that, maybe it's this way nowadays too, I don't know. I don't keep up with current entertainment whether it's Christian music secular music Hollywood movies I don't I don't I don't, I don't keep up but I, you know I know back then when 40 years ago there were at that time rock and roll stars that would supposedly get born again and they'd make an album they'd make a record and they'd sell it and they'd appear to churches and so you probably remember some of them and uh, Bob Dylan was one, and uh, B.J. Thomas was another one there, and there was a few others there. And, uh, and they lasted a while. And then they just kind of disappeared for a little while. And then maybe five, six years later, here they are, back to what they were before. For one thing, I think they probably couldn't let go of the fame 
They like the honor of men rather than the honor of God. But another thing is, is they, they, were, they were looking for something to make them feel good. John Lennon even supposedly had some type of Christian experience in the 70s. Supposedly. You know, he was uh, one of the Beatles. And if you've never heard any of the Beatles music, you thank God for that. Because um, it was... You, you could tell they were on drugs. It was dark, weird, bad. Okay, supposedly John Lennon. Well, I think kind of his own words. I'm paraphrasing here, but he, you know, he, he was he ended up leaving because he thought, well, this this isn't this didn't do for me what I thought it was going to do for me. Oh, okay. So we come to Christ so that we can be happy ourselves. It's all for me still. You see the difference? That's not the door that Jesus opens. And we see a picture right here. First of all, we see how sick the lost are. A picture of these sick sheep. Those are lost sinners. If you're a lost sinner in here, you're one of those sick sheep. And if you don't like being compared to that, I'm sorry, but that's what you are. That's what I was before I got born again. I was sick. That's what they are. But there's only one way. You have to go through Christ the door. I am the door. It's coming to Him on His terms. And a surrender of our lives to Him because He deserves our lives forever. It's not just so that we can look good and feel good and have a nice little quiet little life. And even in a little conservative church like we have here, it's, it's, this is nice and cozy. Families are nice. We get along. We love each other. And I love it. This is great. But hey, if that's all that... If you're not looking to Him and living right here, I don't care what kind of church you go to. You're still lost. And you need to get born again. Oh man, give you a picture of a sick sheep. Talked to my son Jeff two nights ago. Joy and I were talking. Said, how, how you doing? How was your week? Yeah, oh boy, it was a rough week. Oh man, what happened? He's a locksmith. He gets calls. He has a, a locksmith busy. He gets calls. Hey, can you come unlock my car? Can you come unlock my house? And uh, so that's his business. He and Spencer kind of split it up some. And they don't do too bad at that. But he said, well, got a call. I think it was Monday, he said, from a, a lady named Tammy, about lady about my age. <clears throat> She's got a son, Tanner. And uh, she said, I was supposed to meet Tanner had had, had a troubled life. 
31 years old, in and out of jail, on and off of drugs. But he had just gotten a job as manager of a truck stop there. He was pretty excited. Got a DUI. And because he was on probation, they put him in jail 30 days. I assume he lost his job. Anyway, back up to last Monday night. <clears throat> Tammy called my son Jeff. Said, I was supposed to meet Tanner over here at 8 o'clock this morning. I haven't heard from him all day. Can you, can you go by his house and... He's probably got his door locked. Yeah, sure, fine. So he goes over there. He meets Tammy over there. And he's able to pick the lock. He's got the tools to do that and get inside. And they start walking inside. He said, he said the place was just trashed. The refrigerator door was open. Everything was strung out of it. Furniture in the living room just turned over upside down. What is going on? He starts looking through. They're calling out, Tanner, Tanner. He said, Tammy, walked through down a hallway, walked in the bedroom, calling his name out, couldn't, no answer. Jeff said he walked in and went into the master bathroom. Yeah, he found him. He was on the floor in his own vomit, half-dressed, Probably been dead 24 hours. 31 years old. Six sheep. He said, Tammy, I found him. And she, he said, she didn't even go in to see. Yeah, he's dead. He overdosed. And that's, you know, so... You see that, and my, that's what my son was telling me. He said, you know, I saw that. This guy that I know, I've known. And he said, you know, it's over. He's done. And where he's at now, he's never going to get out. It's pretty sobering. But it's real. Six sheep. That's how sick. But you see, the lost man or woman that doesn't have any of those types of problems, you know what? It's the same sheep. Just as sick. And in God's view, they look the same. They're lost and they're sick. And we all know lots of people that that's what they are. And that's where I'm getting, I'm hearing the, the evangelism report, and I'm, oh boy, you know, we. Just going through acts and, and the work of God flowing through them, I think, Lord, it's got to happen to me. You know, I mean, I've I've, I've set my heart 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I trust that those of you that are saved here have done the same thing. I think I know you well enough that that, that is your heart. But it can't just stop right there. It just can't stop right there. Now, we don't know whose life we might have an impact on. So we've got to walk by faith and let people see, not hide that declaration. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. I belong to Christ. I'm His. He's mine. I'm going to live with Him. I'm not stepping out of His hand. Not that you're not going to get tempted. Not that you're not going to be tested. You will. But I've settled it in my heart. Now, Lord, use me. I can look on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the street, your six sheep that God wants to save and heal and raise up. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Declaration of the safety of living under the shepherd's care, but also a proclamation to the world. It's settled in my heart. But now, Lord, don't let it just end right there. You know, there's verses in Daniel and Revelation of the enemy coming in, speaking great things to wear down the saints. And the intensity of the battle, to say it again, I guess, it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get more intense. We've got to be ready. We've got to encourage one another. And remind each other that we all said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm right here forever. But we've got to encourage the intensity of the battle. It's, <clears throat> it's not going to get any easier. That's why Paul said, endure hardness. Thou therefore endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him that hath called him to be a soldier. I'm right here. I'm not out there. I'm right here. I'm a soldier for Jesus. We sing about it. Now, Lord, okay. That means I have a fight to fight. So help me. And I think it's where it does is get ready, children, soldiers, good soldiers. It's not going to get any easier. But I will be with you. I've seen your heart. I've, I've heard your declaration. I know where you're at right here. Okay, you're in a safe place. That's good. But get ready to fight. Because I've called you. And it's not just so sinners can get saved. It's so that He can get what He deserves. He deserves every person on the face of the earth. It's all about Him and what He deserves. His honor, majesty, and glory. <clears throat> I hope this is making sense. Sometimes, like I say, I feel like I, uh, I wonder sometimes. I guess I need to just trust the Lord. 
and say, God, you just take what I got to share and just use it and touch us and help us. And, and uh, but what comes to my mind is just that we've got that settled in your heart. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to leave. But I'm not just going to sit here and just enjoy in, in selfishness. Just in, enjoy all this glory. No, God says, no, 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 no. No, you're here for a purpose. Glory and rest and retirement comes when we die. God help us that we'd be a soldier. When you're 90 years old. Heard a guy preach one time, he's 80 years old, and he just had life in him. It was really neat. It was probably about 15 years ago. Hey, he might. I don't know if he's still alive or not. It was in Cheyenne. A grandpa of one of the sisters that we used to go to church with there. And he went on. 80-year-old guy. Full of life and just sharing the word. And, and uh, they gave him the opening meditation. And he got going. And I thought, man, don't let this guy sit down. Give him another hour at least. We need to hear this from this particular one. And he goes on to say, you know, I like to hand out tracts. 80 years old. It was good. And it's challenging. And that's good for us. We need those kinds of examples. Okay. Except for the very youngest person in here, everybody's older than somebody else in here. Ah, everybody's younger than I am in here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I get to be the example. But so do you. And so let's do that. Let everybody around us know it's settled in my heart. This is where I'm going to live. I'm so grateful to belong to the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm so grateful for all the times He's carried me and how He's led me, how He's been faithful to me. But it can't stop right here. We've been getting encouraged to especially through the evangelistic reports. That's really been good. That was excellent addition to our service right here. Challenging. We need that. It's good. But let's act upon it. Let's have that mindset of we're here to be a soldier for Christ. We're here to be a light in the darkness. And the darkness is, is great. It's big. It's, and it's dark. But God, you're bigger than all this. So... That's my encouragement this morning. Stay close in His hand. Live there forever. But be ready to shine His greatness as you live there. Okay? Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening.